discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you to another Wednesday night service. It's a blessing to be with you online once again. I know we've had a wonderful time already. And we're going to have another wonderful experience with God's word. Even as it comes to you this evening. Hallelujah. Let's share out a prayer and then we'll start. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Who is with us and in us. Teaching us guiding us, leading us. Thank you, Father, for fruitfulness, for instruction in righteousness. Thank you that our hearts and our lives are never the same again. Thank you for the ministry of your word and the ministry of your spirit that are working right now, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So tonight is the last um, service, the last message I'm going to share along this line. Uh, of um, what to do with the first coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the 11th message. Wow, what a blessing. I know we said so many things. You know, all these things are just so that you would know what to focus on. You see, sometimes you wonder what to focus on because there's so much in the Bible. There's so many things in the, in the Bible. But then there are things that God will have you focus on. There are things that have you in mind. The Old Testament was written for us, for our learning. If you read the scriptures, it lets us know that the scriptures, all, all scripture is by inspiration of God. Then he also talks about how that the, the Old Testament was written so that we can have hope, first of all, and also so that we can learn, we can know what has happened in time past and learn from the experiences of those who have gone ahead of us. You know, find all these, these things in the scriptures. You know. But then the New Testament was written to you and to I. You know, we, 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 we have our names documented in the New Testament. It has our names in there. It is to you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those are direct things that has your name in there. Don't read the Bible with another person in mind. It's to you. The New Testament especially is to you. It has your name in there. It has your inheritance in there. It has got what God is expecting you to do. It has every single thing that you need, you know, for your life and your, for godliness documented in there for you. You see, so I'm sharing these things with you to help you know what to focus on. The first thing I mentioned was to awaken to the reality of the fatherhood of God, the fact that you have become a child of God. That's a very, very important fact that is documented in the New Testament for you and I. It is written to you, you know, that you are a child of God now. You are not like every other person. You are different. You see, and there are things that God has brought through Christ to you. You have an inheritance in him. And I shared so many things along those lines, that particular line. Then 
I mentioned how that you need to awaken to the reality of the fact that you need to grow in the Lord. It's something that God is expecting of you to grow. You have to grow. Brothers and sisters, we have to grow. You cannot remain a child. Okay? You cannot remain a child. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. But when I grew up, when I became a man, I put away childish things. He wants you to put away childish things. Can you imagine? So he's expecting you to grow. Then the next thing I mentioned was awakening to the reality, the fact that you are a servant of God, that you have a service towards God. For instance, in this country and in most countries, this year is an election year. You know, when we elect people to come and serve us in various capacities in our country, as presidents, as prime ministers, as parliamentarians and all of that, you know, they are called honorable, isn't it? We call them honorable because we think it's an honorable thing for them to have that particular opportunity of serving you and I. If that is honorable, how much more God's work? Working for the Lord is the most honorable thing you could ever get involved in. It's the highest privilege you could ever be involved in. You know? And Jesus called it his meat. If you read in John chapter 4, verse 34. John 4, 34. Let's start from there. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. The word meat there is food. So Jesus is saying that my food, what brings me, you know food, food brings you satisfaction, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever been hungry in your life. But if, if you're hungry, I mean, what you need is food. Water does not satisfy. You need food. You need good food. So Jesus was calling the work of God, his food, his real satisfaction. Nothing brings satisfaction as much as working for the Lord. You cannot have real satisfaction in life unless you are waking to this particular reality that we are talking about. Look at the Amplified. The Amplified says, Jesus said to them, my food, my nourishment is to do the will, the pleasure of him who sent me and to accomplish and completely finish his work. Wow. To accomplish and completely finish his work. Jesus was also conscious of his race and he was conscious of finishing his race. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the biggest satisfaction you can ever have. Working for the Lord brings you real satisfaction. It's the highest privilege you could ever have and it's the biggest satisfaction you could ever have in life. You know, helping others. Helping others with the word of God. Helping others, raising others in the Lord. Bleeding others to Christ. The satisfaction it comes with cannot be compared to anything in the world. Hallelujah. You know, God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. It's one of the major things that you see about God in the scriptures. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. That is to please God. And it says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Come, isn't it? God is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. He says, behold, I come with my gifts, with my reward, having my reward in my hand. To give unto every man according to his work. God is a rewarder of all of man, all of humanity. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So always have rewards in mind. Okay? As you serve him, know that he will reward you. He will pay you. He will give you what you deserve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you read in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, you see this particular fact written there as well. 
Genesis 15, says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. So even in the Old Testament, he showed it to Abraham that he is his reward. God is a rewarder. He's into rewards. Hallelujah. And many saints of old had rewards in mind. I don't know if you remember when David, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when David got to the battle that the children of Israel were going to fight the Philistines. And when Goliath showed up, if you remember, when David showed up there, he asked a question. He said, what will be given, what reward will be given to the man who kills this uncircumcised Philistine? He was conscious of rewards. You see? And when he saw that, when he had the reward, he, he was very excited. And he, he pushed to get that, that guy destroyed so that he can have his reward. So it's important to have rewards in mind. Having rewards in mind stirs you up to work for the Lord today is an inspiration for you today to do what God expects you to do today because you know that there's, there's a reward that is waiting for you because God is a rewarder. Yes, we are privileged to be working for him, but as we are working for him, every single thing that you do for him, you receive your reward. I was talking about thrones. There are, there's more. There are crowns. There are so many things that are reserved just for you. Hallelujah. You see, if you look at Moses' life in Hebrews chapter 11, look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Moses was conscious of rewards. He was. He made decisions here on earth with rewards, eternal rewards in mind. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Wow. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He felt that the riches that was found in Christ, the reward that was found in Christ, was higher than anything that could be found in Egypt. The pleasures of Egypt, the riches of Egypt, could not be compared. He saw it. He had a revelation of it. That's why I was praying for you the last time. That God will open the eyes of your understanding, like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Open the eyes of your understanding that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There's a riches that cannot be compared to anything here on earth. Moses was in Egypt, too. And Egypt, as at that time, was the highest civilized world at that time. They weren't going to America. There was no America then. They were going to Egypt. Egypt was a place to go to. Egypt was a place to go, to go and see skyscrapers and see roads and see all kinds of things. You see. And Moses was the Pharaoh's daughter's son. And he was in line to the throne. He was schooled in all the seven levels of education, the learning of, of Egypt. Architecture, engineering, agriculture, everything. You know, but then he chose, let's read it again. Hebrews chapter 11. What did he see? What did Moses see? What did Moses see? I think we should see what Moses saw. So that we can live right. Yeah, so that we can live right. You know, Moses wrote, is the one who wrote the 90th Psalm. 
and okay, you keep your finger. Go to Psalm 90, let's read verse 10 to verse 12. It says, the days of our years are three score years and ten. That's 70. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, that's 80. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear? So is thy wrath. Verse 12. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. He says, the life that we are living here is so short that before you realize, it's finished. So teach us to number our days. Teach us to live right, to number our days, not to waste each day, so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Doing what we need to do here on earth. Jump to verse 16. Psalm 90 verse 16. It says, let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. Can you imagine? Let thy work, Lord, my life is too short on earth. Let your work appear to me. Let me see what to do here on earth so that I can apply my heart to wisdom and do the right thing at every point in time so that I don't waste my days. That's what Moses was praying for. He saw the recompense of the reward. Go back to that place. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. He says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was 40 years at this time. Choose him rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. The people of God were being afflicted. They were being persecuted. They were being lashed. Remember, if you read in Exodus chapter 1, they were, they were building Pitom and Ramses for the Pharaoh at that time. They were, they, were, they were under hard labor. But he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. There's always a pleasure of sin, something that is entertaining, nice, and all of that. That can rob you of your reward. So he knew that that could rob him of his reward. So he chose to rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of Israel, of, of Egypt for a period, for a short period. Then he says in verse 20, he says, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Let's read. Be amplified of this. I'm sure it will help us. He considered the contempt and abuse and shame born for the Christ, the Messiah, who was to come to be greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. I mean, how is this even... How, how is this wisdom, naturally speaking? It's not. Everybody will insult you. He considered the contempt and abuse and shame born for the Christ, the Messiah, who was to come to be greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. For he looked forward and away to the reward. That is the recompense. Wow! He looked onto the reward. And looking onto the reward made him make some choices here on earth. Painful choices that meant robbing him of certain things. But he didn't care. Because he had seen it. If you don't see it, you will not, you will, you will not make some choices. You will not do some things. Yeah. Because you don't have revelation. You don't have any revelation of it. You see, you live like any other person because you don't, you've not seen it. I pray for revelation for you. Yeah. Let's read that play. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me read from verse, from verse 17. Paul's praying for the Ephesian church. He prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, unto the people, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom is making the right choice at the right time, the first time. You see, not going and then saying that, oh, I wish 
I had done this when I was 20. No. Doing the right thing at 20. Knowing what to do. You see, teach us the number of days. So that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We may apply our hearts to wisdom to do the right things at the right time. So he was praying for them that the spirit of wisdom will come into their lives. That they will have it in abundance. And can you imagine that the spirit of wisdom is inside you? It's just a matter of you declaring that for yourself. The spirit of wisdom is working in me. I make the right choice at the right time. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I make the right decisions every time. I go where God wants me to go every time. I do what God wants me to do every time. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You say that to yourself. And watch the spirit of wisdom that is inside you begin to work. Because I pray that you may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The word revelation is apocalypsis. An unveiling. You see, all that God needs to do has been done already. We don't know it. But it's like a peeling. It's like peeling cassava or yam or any of those things. You see, it's food, but then you can't eat it like that. You need to peel it off. You need to peel off the cover so that you can have access to the real thing. You see, so we have the spirit of revelation in us. Who is responsible for taking, uncovering our eyes to see what God has destined and designed for all of us. You see. So he says, I pray that you may have that spirit of wisdom, that spirit of revelation in the knowledge of his word, working actively in your life, so that the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light. That's the next verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You see, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The word understanding is dianoia. He's talking about your imagination. Your imagination. Your imagination being flooded with light. The word enlightened there is fortizo. It's called a photographic effect. Do you see? Having an imprint of the word of God in your mind. In your mind's eye. <laughs> Permanent imprint of the word of God in your mind's eye. That can never be taken away. Like having, having a reference in your life of the word of God. Something concerning the word of God that, that changes your life completely. And that becomes a reference, a central reference point in your life. That controls your life. Remember, he wants the word of God to govern you. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. You see? So he was praying that you have an imprint, a permanent imprint of God's, God's word. A permanent imprint of the revelation of God's word concerning various things. Especially concerning the fact that there's an inheritance waiting for you and I, like you're talking about. Moses had that imprint permanently on his heart. That was why he made some choices. So many years, so many years he made a choice to stay for God, to live for God, when he was 40. And that's at age 120, 80 years later, that imprint was still there. It never changed. It was still there. So he's praying for you, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know for yourself in reality what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This riches that made Moses deny <laughs> the riches of Egypt, the treasures of Egypt, and identify himself with the people of God. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 once again. Let's read verse 26 now. I don't know if you like my message. This esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. In other words, he had seen it. And he felt that that was a better reward. That was better than anything he could have in this world. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
You know, the word recompense or reward is one Greek word. The Greek word is Mr. Podosia. Mr. Podosia. I want to spell it for you, Mr. Podosia. Recompense or reward is one, is one Greek word. I want to just explain it to you. Mr. Podosia is spelled M-I-S-T-H-A-P-O-D-O-S-I-A. Spelling it again. M-I-S-T-H-A-P-O-D-O-S-I-A. Mr. Podosia. Hallelujah. And it's found in other places in the scriptures. Let me show it to you in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Let's read from verse 34 to 35. Hebrews 10, 34 to 35. For you had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing yourselves that you have in heaven a better and, endure, and an enduring substance. I don't know if you are getting what he's saying. He says, for you had compassion of me in my bonds. This is Paul talking. And took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. In other words, you gave so that I could be okay. You gave with this in mind, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Next verse, verse 35. Then it says, cast not away therefore your confidence. This confidence that you had when you were giving. It says, don't cast away that confidence. Which has great recompense of reward. I don't know if you get it. This confidence that you have, it has great recompense of reward. The word recompense or reward is that same word that was written in the other place in Hebrews chapter 11, which is Mr. Podosia. Okay? Then in Hebrews chapter 2, from verse 1 to verse 2, you see it there again. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1. It says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which are given, which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Verse 2. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Next verse. I don't know if you're seeing that word there. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Go back to verse 2. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, he's talking about the Old Testament, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. It says, every transgression under the Old Testament received a just reward or a just payment. Okay? We should be more careful in our time. Now that we are, God is talking to us in our time. He says, we should be careful now. Because this one, it is God who is talking. The first one, it was angels that spoke. God gave the instructions to the angels. Now God himself has come to come and give the instructions. That's what he's saying. If they had a recompense or reward, how much more us? Hallelujah. So God is a payer. He's into paying. Okay, go to Revelations chapter 22. Let's read verse 12. Revelation 22 verse 12. This is Jesus talking. He says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. You see, it's, it's, so, it's so prevalent in the scriptures. There are so many scriptures I could quote along this line to show you the fact that God is a rewarder. He's a payer. And he will pay you on a certain day. He will give you your reward on a certain day. He will give every man his reward. And he's a just payer. So the word Mr. Podosia, okay, is from two Greek words. The first one is Mr. M-I-S-T-H-A. And it means payment of salary. Payment of salary. You don't pay salary to someone who is not on your payroll, isn't it? You only pay people who are on your payroll. 
What this means is that we are on God's payroll. We are on God's payroll. I think you should be excited about that. You're on God's payroll. And God is going to give you all of your salary on a certain day. The other word is podosia, P-O-D-O-S-I-A. And it means reimbursement for every expense used in doing the work. So apart from paying your salary, whatever you used in doing the work, whatever money you spent probably for transportation, uh, for anything extra that you did, he says he will give it, he will reimburse for the expense used, everything you used, okay? Any expense at all you incurred in getting his work accomplished. Wow. So he'll pay you your salary, your due salary, what you worked for. Then he'll give you every single thing you require. Every single thing you used when you were doing his work. He'll reimburse it. What a blessing. Nobody pays like this. There are people who send you and they'll forget that you need transportation. They'll want you to use some of your salary to do the transportation. Most of us are cheated. Yeah, because you see, actually when you start working, the first one month is actually for free. I don't know if you've noticed. When you're employed, you have to work for one month before you get your pay at the end of the month, isn't it? What if you are sacked before the one month ends? You will never get your pay and then you go. You work for free. And some people do that. <laughs> but God will give you all your pay. He'll give you all your salary. And he'll give you every single thing you used. Every single thing. Because whatever you used during the one month, the tra- How are, why are you going to get money for transportation? Let's say you got a new job. You see, and you're expecting maybe $2,000 to come at the end of the month. And you, so you went to take money from somebody for transportation. Transportation was going to be up to $1,500. And then you're going and coming and going and coming. On the 20th day, they told you that, oh, we don't think that something has happened. The company is not going to work anymore. You are now owing $1,500, isn't it? Yeah. You've been cheated. You have to wait till the end of the month before you can get that $2,000. And then you can sort yourself out. So you actually start on the deficit. <laughs> but God is not like that. God will pay you your salary. And then he will pay you your transportation. He will pay you the food you have to eat to be able to get energy to work. He will pay you every single thing. He's a payer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord repay you for all that you're doing. Okay? Then it also means, Podosia also means settlement to take care of injuries and losses. That's what it means. Settlement, to pay settlement, to take care of injuries and losses. So God will pay you for every single thing that you did. Every single thing that you did for him. Every single thing that you did. And God, you see, amazingly, he doesn't just pay on a certain day. He pays us now in this time, in this world. If you read in Mark chapter 10, from verse 29, you see something that Mark 10, 29. He starts paying you. Now, not, he doesn't wait till... All that I'm talking about has something to do with this time, before eternity. He starts paying you now. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels. He says, no one who has left father, mother, house, brother, sister, wife, children or land for my sake and the gospels. Next verse, verse 30. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time 
houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. You see, they didn't say wives. They didn't add wives to it. Thank God. Someone said, I'm losing my wives so I can gain wives. <laughs> but they shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, not tomorrow, not in the future, now in this time. Houses. So if you left a house, he'll give you houses. If you left a brother, he'll give you many brothers. If you left a sister, he'll give you many sisters. If you left a mother, he'll give you many mothers. If you left a child, he'll give you many children. If you left land, a land, he'll give you many lands. Then he says with persecutions. Because Paul will not understand why you are so wealthy. Why you are so influential. How come you are so influential? How come you are so wealthy? They don't know what you sacrificed for the gospel's sake. He says now, he will repay you now in this time with all of these things. Then he says, and in the world to come, eternal life. In the world to come, eternal life. But they shall receive one hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. So brother, receive your rewards now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever settlement you need, you require for any loss, for any injury because of the Lord is being reimbursed to you right now in Jesus' name. Then if you look at Exodus chapter 23, Verse 25. Look at Exodus 23, 25. And he shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I'll take sicknesses away, sickness away from the midst of thee. Wow. There shall nothing cast thy young nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Now, this is a reward, physical, earthly reward for serving the Lord. Go back to verse 25 once again. It says, And you shall serve the Lord your God. He says, if you serve me, I shall bless your bread. I shall bless your food. The food that you eat. You see, people don't know how cancer comes. We don't know how cancer comes. It just appears. It just shows up. Someone is just moving around, eating and drinking. Everything is fine. Then one day he wakes up in the morning. He feels a pain in his right side of his body. He goes to the hospital to check. They say he has lung cancer. Leukemia. Something. Just like that. Nobody knows where it comes from. It just shows up in people's bodies. It's mostly because of what we eat. That's the truth. It's mostly because of what we eat. We, we don't know, but it comes from there. Most of the time. You see. Because you don't know. Right now, the, the farmers are planting the things with all kinds of things. All kinds of chemicals. Because those who have gone to school have decided not to go into farming. So we are eating all kinds of things. He says, I'll bless your bread. I'll bless your food. So that that food does not, bring, it does not bring sickness to you. It brings health to you. Then he says, and I'll bless your water. Because your water too can be a problem. You can be drinking some wild water. And you think that's the best. You think it's bottled. It's bottled water from a bottling company. You don't know what has happened. There was a story of one, one, one guy who had HIV and had dropped, you know, he cut himself and dropped some of his blood in a, a certain drink that a company was manufacturing, you know, because the company had done something to him and he, he was angry. So he dropped some of his blood in the drink and it was bottled for so many people. Yes. So he, he wanted to punish the customers and punish the company and all of that. He says, I'll bless your water. Everything that you drink is blessed in the name of the Lord Jesus. You will never fall sick because of something you took in. Remember, it says that they shall take in poison and it shall not hurt them. They shall take in poison because they serve me, because they love me. They will take in poison 
and it shall not hurt them. Nothing will hurt you. It says, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread, and bless your water. Then he says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Heart diseases are taken away in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because you are into serving the Lord. Because you have it in your heart to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. Verse 26. Then it says, There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of your days I will fulfill. You will live long. He says, Nothing, nothing shall cast their young, nor be barren amongst you. Hallelujah. No barrenness of any form, of any kind will be close to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. You yourself will not be barren. Your sheep will not be barren. Your land will not be barren. Your business will not be barren. Everything about you will be fruitful because you are into serving him. Hallelujah. So there are rewards. He rewards you here on earth. He blesses you here on earth. That's why I told Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. Hallelujah. He gave his whole self as a reward to Abraham. And he's given himself to us as a reward. Hallelujah. If you have God as a reward, what is your problem? I will never lack anything in my life. Because God is my reward. Hallelujah. Then there are rewards for the future as well. There are rewards. He says, he will give you now in this time houses and all of that. So there's something now. Then he says that, and in the future, he says, and in the world to come, eternal life. And that's what I'm showing you. The last time I showed you about thrones. We have thrones. There are thrones at stake. Isn't it? Run your race because there are thrones at stake. Yeah. Keep a prize on your mind. Moses kept a prize on his mind though. That's why he did the things he did. It's not selfishness at all. It means you know what you're about. Hallelujah. There's something more valuable than whatever it may seem you are losing in this world. Okay? So, there are crowns at stake. There are crowns that are reserved for you and I. And if you read in First Peter chapter 5, from verse 1, you see one over there. First Peter chapter 5. So, Mr. Podosia, right? God is a payer. He's a rewarder. He will reward you. He will give you your salary. He will give you reimbursement for expenses used. He will give you, settle you, okay, settlement for, for everything. For injuries, for losses, everything. The accounts that are involved. First Peter chapter 5 from verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre or for money, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, don't lord it over God's people, but being an example to the flock. Verse 4. Then it says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that faded not away. So there's a crown of glory waiting for you and I. It says, If we do what we are supposed to do with respect to shepherding, shepherding others, helping others be raised in the Lord. Okay? Go to verse 2. Go to verse 2. 1 Peter 5, 2. It says, Feed the flock of God. So this crown is given to those who feed God's flock. Who feed God's flock. Which is among you. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof. Not by constraint. Not by force. But willingly. Let's read the Amplified of this verse. Verse 2. 
tend, nurture, guard, guide, and fold the flock of God. That is your responsibility. Not by coercion or constraint, but willingly. Not dishonorably motivated by the advantages and profits belonging to the office, but eagerly and cheerfully. Doing it eagerly and cheerfully. Verse 3. Not domineering as arrogant, dictatorial, and overbearing persons over those in your charge, but being examples, patterns, and models of Christian living to the flock, the congregation. Wow. Verse 4. And then when the chief shepherd is revealed, you will win the conqueror's crown of glory. You will win the conqueror's crown of glory. There's a crown at stake, brother. There's a crown at stake, sister. It's the conqueror's crown of glory reserved in heaven for you and I for running our race with respect to feeding God's flock and taking charge, taking oversight of, of them. Then when you read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, from verse 7, we see another crown over there. 2 Timothy 4, from verse 7. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So this is a crown called the crown of righteousness. Reserved for all those who finish their course. All those who fight their good fight and finish their race. Have you seen it? Yeah, he says, all those who are like that, those who love is appearing. If you love is appearing, if you always have his coming in mind, you will work for him. You know that before he can come, you need to work. Isn't it? Because in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might... Let's read it. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. If you remember, before this can happen, before Christ, Christ is not the one who presents the church to himself. It is us. It is the church that presents those in the church to him, to Christ. So, Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse two, Paul said that for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Do you see? So he's going to present, he was going to present some people. We are all going to present some people on that day. And we need to raise people and help people to be able to be raised and presented to him on that day. As you do that, you are running your race. You are fighting the good fight. You are running your race. And on that day, he will give you that crown of righteousness. All those who love is appearing are those who will receive the crown of righteousness. Because the love is appearing, they will fight and run their race to fulfill God's purpose in their lives. Hallelujah. Then, in James chapter 1, verse 12, there's another crown called the crown of life. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Have you seen it? Blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life. This is a crown that is given for those who go through all kinds of things because of the Lord. Remember, it says all those who live godly for the Lord will suffer persecution. This is because of Jesus Christ. 
because of his, his word and because of his work, you are suffering in one way or the other. He says, there's a crown of life that is reserved in heaven for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So many crowns. So many crowns. Then, there's a crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So on that day when you present people fit for the Lord, you present them complete to the Lord, he says that you will get your crown of rejoicing. Let me show you a scripture in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 verse 1. Look at what Paul called the Philippian church. He says, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Have you seen it? He called them his joy and his crown. So every individual that you are raising for the Lord is actually your joy and your crown. It's actually your crown of rejoicing. But Paul didn't joke with them at all. He called them his joy and his crown. That's why he says, don't lord it over them. Because they are actually going to be your crown on that day. Each person that you present is your crown. So he calls them my joy. Look at how he's calling them. It's like he's wrapping them even. Philippians 4.1. Let's look at it once again. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. There's another scripture. Let me show it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. Let's read from verse 13 so that we can understand it. 1 from verse 13. For we write none other things unto you than what ye read or you read or acknowledge. And I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. And also you have acknowledged us in part that we are your rejoicing. Even as you are also ours, ours in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So he says that I am your rejoicing, also my rejoicing. When I'm being presented, you rejoice on my behalf. And then when I'm also presenting you, I'll also be rejoicing. Hallelujah. So brother, raise somebody. I don't know if you are not into raising anybody. You have to raise somebody. You have to present somebody on that day. Who are you presenting? I think you should look for somebody and start raising that person quickly. <laughs> Hallelujah. Align yourself. Just find somebody. Okay, Some, who is your joy? Who is your crown? Look for somebody. Hallelujah. You know, there are, there are rewards for so many things. Okay. If you're a doctor, there are rewards for taking care of the people you take care of in the hospital. But that reward cannot happen unless you're born again. When you become born again, then you can have rewards for all things that you do. Please, you understand. Huh? You get a reward for everything you do as soon as you come into Christ. So if you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer into defending people who are innocent, innocent people who have not done anything wrong, helping people. You know, God is interested in godliness. God is interested in peace. He's interested in us living in a peaceable world. Okay, so anyone who is into helping, he said, blessed are these makers, for they shall be called the children of God. You see, so if you are into making peace, helping people become better in any way, in any form, as a nurse, if you are not a callous nurse who doesn't care about whoever it is that has come into your ward, but you are committed to making sure what you are doing is done well, is done excellently, so that life can be saved. You receive a reward for every single thing that you do. 
So there are rewards for all those things that we do. Giving, giving a cup of water. He, he lets us know that particular one in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41. Look at Matthew 10, 41. He says, he that receiveth the prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth the righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Verse 42. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Have you seen it? Now, he gives us the lowest form of kindness that you can give to anybody, show to anybody. Just to help us understand all levels of kindness are going to be rewarded. Yes, that's the reason for this particular scripture. Okay, that's the reason. for So, taking care of people, helping people, doing your profession right. Not being a wicked person, a wicked lawyer, a wicked doctor, a wicked farmer. You are farming. You know that putting the chemicals on the thing is not healthy. It's not going to help anybody. It's going to kill some people. And then you put the chemicals on it anyway. You are not going to receive a reward. You are going to receive a, a just recompense of reward for what you're doing. Remember, he's a rewarder. Whether good or bad, he will reward you. Do you see? So if you are not being excellent at what you're doing, if you're not doing it right, if you're not showing kindness with whatever it is that you're doing, there's a problem. Whatever man shall sow, that's why he also reap. Do you see? He says, don't mock God. Don't be deceived. Galatians chapter 6. Let's look at it. Galatians chapter 6. Let's read from verse 5. Galatians 6 from verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. Do you understand this? Every man shall be judged and shall receive the just reward. That's what he's saying here. Okay, let's read from verse 1 so that it makes more sense. You see the context. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse 2. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. Verse 4. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing himself alone, and not in another. Do you understand what he's saying? Let's read the Amplified. Probably you are not getting it. From verse 4, please. But let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. Verse 5. For every person will have to bear, be equal to understanding, and calmly receive his own little load of oppressive fault. Okay, this one does, doesn't still explain it to us very well. Okay, let's see if the message will show it. From verse 4 to 5. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Verse 6. Go to verse 6. Be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have, you have and experience. Verse 7. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants... He will have us. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he will have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Have you seen it? So he's talking about whatever you sow, what the things that you are doing in your work with your family with your children, 
You know, there are husbands who um, don't look after their children. They don't look after their home. The Bible says that you have abandoned the faith. You have denied the faith. On that day, you'll be judged. You are worse than an infidel. It's in the Bible. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Let's look at it. First Timothy 5, 8. But if, in, but, but, and, sorry, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. He says he has denied the faith. You are selfish. There are many selfish men, husbands around, who have children with people and don't look after them. The Lord is watching you. The Lord is watching you, to be honest with you. He will give you your just recompense of reward. Every little kindness that you show at your workplace, to your wife, to your children, to your friend, everything will be rewarded. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Let's read from verse 11. So rewards are given for practically everything. Practically everything. That's what the rewards are. Plenty. He says, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Says rejoice when people are talking bad about you because of Jesus Christ. Because you will not cheat at the workplace and add some zeros. In order for everybody to, to enjoy in a certain way. And you are strict. You say no we are going to do it like this. And everybody hates you. They've even fired you off the job. He says, you get your reward. You will get your reward. Wow. Hallelujah. Look at verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. There's a word for loving your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 45. That he may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and set it rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans or the sinners do same or so, but be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Says, what reward do you have if you love only those who love you? Wow. What reward do you have? There's a reward for loving those who persecute you. It's amazing. Plenty of rewards for kindness, showing kindness, showing, being a nice person, showing kindness. There's a reward for looking after orphans. There's a reward for looking after street kids. There's a reward. There's a reward for all of those things. Look at Matthew chapter 6 from verse 1. There's a reward for fasting, for praying, for giving. Take heed that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Wow. When you're doing your alms before men, when you're giving, you want everybody to know that you're giving. You go to the orphanage, when you're giving it, you take a very wild picture, you put it on Facebook, and then show it to everybody. You should be doing some of these things. You know? <laughs> so it's taking that you do not do your alms before men. Be careful to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Verse 2. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. That's a problem. As a hypocrite do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. So whenever you do it and you, in your heart, you are thinking that someone will say, hey, you are doing well. If you are looking for the praise of men, you have made a mistake. 
He says, look for the praise of God only, not for the praise of men. Okay? Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as a hypocrite do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They have their reward. The reward they had was the praise that they had of the men. But when thou doest arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine arms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. It's two types of rewards. Earthly rewards and heavenly rewards. He reward you both here on earth like I showed you and also there in heaven. He, and he reward you openly for everybody to see on that day. Next verse, verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as a hypocrite are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. This is a problem. So that they may be seen of men. It's always to be seen of men. For everybody to say that, hey, this man is into prayer. When you hear that, then something is like, you have, a, you have accomplished your purpose. <laughs> There's something wrong. You've received your reward here on earth. He's not saying don't pray in the church. You can pray in the church. You can pray by the street. You can do all of those things. But he wants you to do it with God. What is your motive? God actually rewards us based on our motives. I showed it to you the last time. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge not. Let's read the Amplified straight away so that we don't spend too much time on this. It says, do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again. For he will both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims, motives, and purposes of hearts. You see? Then every man will receive his due commendation or his due reward from God. His due reward. So God will check what you did with what was in your heart as you were doing what you did. So if you read in 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 1, look at 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 1 to verse 4. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, it's poorly translated as charity, I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, your tongues are angelic type of tongues. With full stops, commas, and exclamation signs. It says, and you don't have love. If you are not doing it out of love, it says, you are a, you are a tinkling symbol. You are making noise in heaven. You will not get any reward for it. Next verse, verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Jesus spoke about moving mountains, but you can remove it. <laughs> and have not charity or love. It says, I am nothing. Next verse, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profited me nothing. So everything must be done out of love. How can you give all, bestow all your goods to feed the poor and not do it out of love? Because you want men to see what you're doing. He says you, you have your reward. On that day, you will not get any reward with him. So let love be the covering of every single kindness that you do. Because of your love for the Lord. You are doing it because of your love for the Lord. Not so that you be seen of men. Not so that you be promoted at work or any of those things. You are doing it because you love God. The promotion can come as an extra thing. But you are doing it because you love God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Where in verse 5. He says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as a hypocrite are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, that they have their reward. 
Verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He reward you. Hallelujah. Jump to verse 16. Jump to verse 16. Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. Can you imagine? That they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Hey, next verse. <laughs> but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He's a rewarder. And he reward you for fasting. Fasting the right way. Not fasting when you go, oh, I'm, I'm fasting. When they say, oh, take something from, take a, a paper for me. I'm fasting. I don't have strength. <laughs> you want everybody to know that you're fasting. <laughs> no, it's not supposed to be like that. It's just anoint yourself. Move around as though nothing, nothing is happening. Flow with everybody. Your father will, will reward you. Hallelujah. It's a blessing. A great blessing. Look at First Corinthians chapter three. I'm showing you more rewards. Okay, more rewards. First Corinthians three from verse five. He's a rewarder. There's a payday coming, Mr. Podosia. There's a day coming. He reward you for every single thing that you did. First Corinthians three from verse five. Paul says, "Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered." But God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watered, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planted and he that watered are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So if you plant, what does it mean to plant? To share the gospel with somebody. Sometimes you preach to someone and the person does not give their life to, to Christ, then, then when you preach, makes no difference. You've planted something into the person's life. Another person will go and reap that particular soul in the future. He says that the one who planted and the one who watered shall all receive their reward. You see, sometimes you start raising somebody and then another person continues. Both of you receive your reward. You planted in his life. The other person, you know, cost continued. Okay, now he that planted, he that watered, the other person watered. Both of you have your reward. A similar thing is written in John chapter 4, verse 35 to 37. John 4, 35 to 37. Let's look at it. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are quite already to harvest. This is Jesus talking. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Have you seen it? And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. So that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. They will both rejoice together on that day. They will both receive their wages. One sowed, another one came to reap. They will all receive their reward. It makes no difference what you did. So long as you share the word of God with somebody... You are going to get your reward for it. That's what he's trying to tell you. If you win a soul and don't get the opportunity to raise that soul, it makes no difference. You still get your reward. The Bible says, He that witness souls is wise. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Look at Proverbs 11, 30. 
Proverbs 11, 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. So just getting into winning souls is powerful, since you are wise. And guess what? Those who are wise shall shine as stars on that day. Daniel chapter 12, from verse 2 to verse 3. Look at Daniel 12, 2 to 3. Daniel 12, 2 to 3. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Those who turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. And they that be wise, who are those who are wise? He that winneth souls is wise. He says they shall shine as a brightness of the firmament. Hallelujah. The brightness of the sky. So, brother, there's so much that God is ready to give to you for every single thing that you do, every single kindness you show, every single good thing that you do. He reward you. As soon as you come into Christ, you receive rewards for everything. Even what you're doing in your employment, you receive a reward. Hallelujah. There's an outer darkness to avoid and to miss. So it's not just telling you that you must fight to, you know, obtain or win the prize for just winning a prize sake. There's something to avoid. You know, when you are when you are in a class, uh, we all it's a competition. We all try to become first or you know do very well. You see, when there's an exam, you want to do very well because you want to miss failure, isn't it? Uh huh. So whenever there's a there's a goal, there's, there's a price, there's something not to have or there's something to miss. So it's, it's the same with all these things that I'm talking about. Okay, There's an outer darkness that you, God wants you to miss. That's why he's telling you to stir up yourself, awaken yourself to this reality so that you can miss that. So that you can, first of all, so that you can get your prize, like I've shared with you in the last uh, two meetings but also so that you can miss an outer darkness. There's something called outer darkness that is reserved, that is there. It's a, it's a concept of the Old Testament. It is in the Old Testament, in, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 24. You see it there. But it's found in there. You see it more in the Septuagint. Okay, so I'll not touch it for now. But let me show you some things in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Look at Matthew 8, from verse 11. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of, of teeth. He says he calls it the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is, is, is the kingdom that includes men. The kingdom of God that includes men as begun by Jesus Christ. So he's talking about the kingdom of God brought to humanity. The kingdom of God is very big. It includes the four living creatures, the angels, all those beings that God has made. Okay? But the kingdom of heaven includes only men. Hallelujah. So Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, which includes men, started by him when he came down on earth. Go back to that place. Let's read from verse 11. And I say unto you that many shall come from that many shall come from the, from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. 
Next verse, verse 12. But the children of the kingdom of heaven, is it fair to, to continue like that? Yeah. But the children of the kingdom of heaven shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's an outer darkness that is reserved with respect to the kingdom of heaven for people who do not win their, their race and who do not run their race. It's reserved for them. It is there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping has to do with regret, great regret, knowing that you could have done this and done that for the Lord and you didn't do it. You regret. So there are, there are plenty of scriptures that are found in Matthew. Matthew talks about, because Matthew is a book that talks about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 22, verse 11. Look at Matthew 22, from verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. If you remember this, this particular verses, I shared it with you when I was talking about um, the second coming of Christ, you know, concerning our, um, our resurrected body, which is actually our wedding garment, which is the righteous works of the saints, if you remember. I don't want to go into it, okay? I've shared it already. The righteous works, all the things that you're doing is actually being weaved into a garment for you. It's being weaved into a garment for you. For us to attend the marriage supper of the Lamb, now, on that day, when we all come into the marriage of the Lamb, he says, the king, that is our Lord Jesus Christ, came in, and, came in to see the guests. Then he saw the man which had not on a wedding garment. He wasn't properly clothed because he didn't do what God wanted him to do. here. He didn't work for the Lord. He, only, he was only exposed to the fact that he was a son of God. He was only exposed to his rights in Christ. But he was not exposed to his servanthood. And so he never did anything for the Lord. Next verse. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in here that not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Next verse. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot. The hand represents what? Your work. And the foot represents your walk with the Lord. He didn't work for the Lord. He didn't live for the Lord. Or he didn't walk with the Lord. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot. And take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's an outer darkness to miss. There's an outer darkness to miss. I was sharing it to you the last time concerning what the Korean pastor saw when he went to heaven. He said the angel took him very far away in heaven. Far away from the glory of God. And he saw warehouses that had hen coops in there. And there were human beings in there. That is outer darkness. It is right there in heaven. It's not in hell at all. There's another one in hell. In that place, there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's not weeping. That one is wailing because of the hellfire. But then this one is in heaven where there's weeping and gnashing of There's a difference between wailing and weeping. They're not the same. Hallelujah. Look at Matthew chapter 25 from verse 28. Matthew 25 from verse 28. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. If you remember, this is the parable concerning the, the talents. And I shared it with you the last time. You know, we didn't finish reading it, so I want to finish reading it to you now. The guy who had that one talent and he hid his talent in the ground, in the earth, in this world, that was only doing things for this world and didn't do anything for his Lord. He says, they should take that one talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Verse 29. For unto everyone that has shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. Verse 30. And cast, you see, I didn't continue. 
and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So all unprofitable servants are put in outer darkness. I hope that settles it for you. So there's an outer darkness to miss. And there are crowns, rewards, thrones to inherit and gain. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be called an unprofitable servant. I want to be a good and faithful servant. I want to respond to the calling of God for my life. Respond to that calling. Okay? Don't let anything and anyone prevent you from doing what God wants you to do. Because you have plenty of rewards, both here on earth and there in heaven. And God does not want you to miss out on anything. He doesn't want you to miss out on anything. Hallelujah. So these are the things that you need to do with the first coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Awaken to the fatherhood of God. Awaken to the reality of your growth. Awaken to the reality of your servanthood. And on that day, when you stand, if you are awakened to all these things by the power of the Holy Spirit, like you, you who have been listening to me all this while have been, you've been awakened. I believe you've been awakened to the fatherhood of God. You've been awakened to the servanthood of God. You've been awakened to the fact of your spiritual growth. And you're going to do something about it. That grace to do something about all these things is released to you this evening in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I know that on that day when you stand before the Lord, you will not be found wanting. You rejoice with joy unspeakable that is full of glory. You will have crowns laid on your head. You have rewards all over to the glory of God. And you have thrones that you sit on to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands wherever you are and just thank God for what he has shared with you. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.